When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome back to the best college football pick and pod in the land. We, are, as always, are coming to you from bellyupsports.com. He is Alan Denton and can be found at AD on the blackout. I am Thomas Black and can be found at TB on the blackout. So, Alan, we jump into an against the spread pick and pod for bowl season coming up, where today you and I are each going to give away five ATS locks for the bowl games between December 16th and December 24th. Fourth, So we've got 17 games we're looking at. We're kind of dividing this thing up to make it manageable. And then again, next week, we're going to return for another episode covering the other bowl games on the other side. So we wipe the slate clean. We put away what happened during the regular season. Now we move into the postseason with bowl season. How are you feeling, sir? It is going to be a wacky bowl season. You've seen the transfer portal just be the craziest thing that I don't know that I've ever seen anything quite like what's happening. Just the sheer amount of people that have gone into the transfer portal looking for a new home that affects these bowls. You know, it very, very much affects the outcome of these. So we're going to try to keep up with some of that as much as we can and, uh, you know, give you little tidbits along the way. And one of the advantages that Alan and I are doing this season is we discussed a lot about how to frame our schedule for what was going to go down in bowl season, because like you're indicating, it is a ton to keep up with, with all these transfers, with opt-outs, anything like that. So I talked to you about, hey, could we split this thing up a little bit and make sure that we're picking up as much information as we can, especially for some of the later bowl games that sometimes information doesn't come out until a couple weeks after the season. So we've already seen a lot of it. We're doing our absolute best to keep up with it. And we're going to do our absolute best to document that stuff along with our picks to give you our rationales for why we would pick things a certain way, especially when we're talking about going against the spread for sure, but especially when we move over to the confidence side as well. And we've got values that we can change in a lot of different ways. So Alan, I'm looking forward to it. It should be a lot of fun, but it's something that uh, will really test what we're doing as we head here into bowl season. Very much so. When you look at an ATS Pick'em for bowl season, of course, we just did our first run through on the blackout with the regular season. But when we've got 43 matchups we've got to pick, of course, you just want to end up on the right side on as many of them as possible. But do you have anything that is going through your mind with your strategy as we work against the spread on ESPN.com? As much as I can, I look for, I try to get a feel for teams that are really going to want to be there. 
you know, that finish the year well, that are excited about being there over teams that, especially those power five teams that just barely get to six and six, maybe seven and five. And you just know that they're not going to, and you don't anticipate at least that they're going to be a lot of people that want to be there on that team. Most definitely something to look at and something to identify if you can. So Alan, if you're ready for it, let's go ahead and dive into some ATS locks. Absolutely. Now, as we go throughout this thing, I know that we can put out a lot of content that takes up time to go through, and some of you are going to pace yourselves in different ways through these episodes. So what Alan and I do every bowl season is we're going to lay out our picks in chronological order. That means you can start an episode, pick up the first few picks, make sure that you're getting through a certain date or something like that, get your board set for both the ATS pick'em, which is a little bit easier just because you're picking one side or the other. And then also on the confidence side where it may mean sliding values up and down and getting those early games set before you move into some later games that we give some thoughts on as well. So there's a lot of different ways you can attack this thing, but do know that as you listen to each of these episodes, it will be laid out in chronological order for your ease of access and enabling you to listen to the episodes however you want to. So Alan, if you're ready, let's do this thing. Yes, sir. All right, Alan, do you have any picks on Friday the 16th? I actually do. Ding, 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 bingo. Uh, (laughs) I do have one, which is obviously next Friday. It's the opening day of bowl games. For my first pick, I'm going to go to the Duluth Trading Cure Bowl, which is a fascinating matchup between two 11-2 teams, UTSA Roadrunners and the Troy Trojans. Recently saw, and this is one of those indicators, like who really wants to be there? And I'm sure Troy is excited about this game too. But here's the thing. Frank Harris said he wants to come back for a seventh year next year. And I think he's going to be able to be on AARP by the time he finishes as a roadrunner. And uh, I think that means that this team really, really wants to be there. They lost their offensive coordinator. But this looks like a type of game that's going to be a lot of fun. UTSA initially opened as a two-and-a-half-point underdog. And you got Troy, who just absolutely mashed Coastal Carolina last week in their conference championship games. They just whooped them. And that's a good team. But this is a UTSA team that has proven not just one year but two years that they are – a legitimate team that can score and play some defense when they need to. And as I look at this type of game, this is a roadrunner team that I feel like is again, hitting their stride. They're playing good ball. They beat the crap out of North Texas last week as well. I've got UTSA roadrunners covering the two and a half point spread over Troy. And here's the interesting thing. That line has moved. And now Troy is only a one-point favorite. So I'm thinking that Vegas and some other people agree with me on that one. understand what you're saying, and it is not a lot for me, but I have a lot of the same feelings. I think we have an interesting matchup because we have a very big contrast in styles with these teams. Of course, UTSA and its high-flying offense has been really, really good for a couple of years now. However, they're not that great on the defensive side of the ball. But they're going up against a Troy team that has a great defense, but its offense is pretty lackluster. So I like the idea potentially of going with 
an offense and Frank Harris that can stress this defense. I think they're going to be able to find a way to put points on the board. And it's going to be up to Troy and a guy like Gunnar Watson, who's been okay, but not great this season. It's going to be up to a guy like him to see if he can match somebody like Frank Harris. So I don't think the Trojans are going to be able to completely stop the Roadrunners offense. And if that is the case, I like Frank Harris. I like Kavorian Barnes and some of these guys to be able to continue putting up points. Zachary Franklin as well at wide receiver. There's just so many weapons all across the field for UTSA. I like them as well. So on my board, I think I will probably have the exact same pick as you heading into the first day of bowl games. I like UTSA plus the two and a half points as well. I like it, man. I'm glad. All right. We already talked about that before we started recording, that you and I have a lot of picks that are coming on Saturday the 17th. So I'm going to go ahead and get us started because I have one on the first time slot for Saturday the 17th. That is a bowl game between Cincinnati and Louisville where there is a lot of stuff going down with coaches because we have the Cincinnati Bearcats with Luke Fickle getting ready to head to Wisconsin. You can call this thing the Fenway Bowl if you want to, but I'd rather call it the Scott Satterfield Bowl because Satterfield is leaving Louisville to go coach Cincinnati. So what kind of situation did you imagine we were going to get ourselves into? But that is unique and makes this thing fascinating. But I like a couple of aspects of this game. It's because, to me, Alan, Louisville has had a pretty good defense this year. I think surprisingly so. And they're going up against the Cincinnati offense in this game that is, I think, going to be without Ben Bryant. He injured his foot maybe a month ago or so and was said to be gone for the rest of the season. Sometimes teams mean that to be for sure the rest of the year. Sometimes that means maybe they could come back for the bowl game, but I don't think he's probably going to be back. I know that he's been seen in a boot. I know on senior day or some kind of festivities around Cincinnati, he was on kind of one of those little scooters that you lift your leg up and prop it up. So I don't think he's probably going to play. And the backup, Evan Prater, who's gotten in late in the season, has been okay but I don't think he's that good. I don't think he's that good of a passer. He's more of an athlete. So this Louisville defense is going to have to defend the run well, but I think they've largely done that this season. And then when you're looking at the other side with Louisville, Malik Cunningham has been banged up ever since that game against Clemson where he hurt his shoulder. However, two weeks ago, he did come into the game against Kentucky. Now, he did not start and he did not play much of that game, and he clearly is not 100%, but now he gets some more rest and can rehab that shoulder. So I think there's probably a pretty good chance that Malik Cunningham is going to be the starting quarterback for the Louisville Cardinals. So with Cincinnati and an offense that I have not been impressed with all season long, and with a Louisville defense that has been pretty good, especially if Malik Cunningham is on the field, I'm going to lock it up and give you the Louisville Cardinals plus a point and a half over on our pick'em on ESPN.com. I really like that pick. You know, man, that Louisville is going to be so angry and they are going to want to stick it to Cincinnati in every single way that they can, as well as the fact that Cincinnati, I don't, think is going to have Scott Satterfield. I don't think he's coaching this game for either team, is he? I wouldn't think he would. I mean, I think to me that would be the wise part to just step aside and let other people take control of it. I mean, I don't think you coach against your team that you're going to, and I don't think you would ditch your other team and go to your new one. That wouldn't make any sense to me at all. I don't know the answer for sure, though. I don't think that's been said for sure, but surely he's not coaching this game at all. But that doesn't matter for Louisville. 
right? Like Louisville, in their mind, they attribute this Cincinnati team to Scott Satterfield. So I anticipate that they're going to be highly motivated, and especially without Ben Bryant, they'll be without Luke Fickle. I imagine this Cincinnati team is not going to be overly motivated, considering last year they were in the college football playoff. I think this has a recipe for what you're talking about. You talked about the movement of the spread in that UTSA-Troy game. You can talk about the movement of the spread in this one as well. Of course, I just took Louisville plus a point and a half, but if you follow the live line, we've actually got Louisville as a one and a half point favorite right now. So take that for what it's worth. It's only about a field goal worth of movement. That's not hugely significant, but it is a decent amount of movement. And you could go with Cincinnati if you'd like to, but right now... Only 24% of people are on Louisville over on the ESPN.com Pick'em. And if Louisville's the better team, they come away with a win. Or if they lose by one point, which isn't that likely, then you could find yourself flipping the leaderboard a little bit early on in this thing going into Saturday the 17th. That's right. Alan, do you have an ATS lock in our next matchup at noon on Saturday? I don't. I'm going to the Las Vegas Bowl, which is a little bit later on. All right. Fair enough. Well, I will dive into my very next ATS lock for this Pick'em Slate. I am going to look at the Celebration Bowl. I didn't think when the Pick'em Slate was given to us that I would, but I'm going to look at Jackson State versus North Carolina Central. I wish these games weren't a part of our Pick'em Slate, but I like this matchup, so I will take advantage of it if this game is going to go the way I think it can. So, If you're not super familiar with Jackson State or if you're only familiar with them because of recent happenings in college football, I do understand that. That's because Deion Sanders is the head coach of Jackson State. And of course, he has accepted the head coaching position at Colorado. But I did find this week where he announced he will coach Jackson State in the bowl game and his son, Shador Sanders, the quarterback, will play in the bowl game as well. So Jackson State, who's undefeated and has played really, really well all season, has their kind of stars leading the way into this game. I think they should have attention on going undefeated after a mishap in this game a year ago. North Carolina Central, I think, is an okay team, but they've taken a couple of losses this season. And I'm going to really zoom into the matchup that both of these teams had with the Campbell Camels because that's the only common opponent that these two teams faced during the regular season. Jackson State won 22-14. North Carolina Central lost 48-18, a blowout loss for the Eagles. But there's more to it than that, Alan. Jackson State outgained the Camels by about 160 yards, and North Carolina Central was outgained by about 170 yards. So I don't have a lot more ammo for this one than that. I know that's fairly limited, but Deion Sanders has brought talented recruits to Jackson State. They've got dudes who are talented enough to play at the FBS level, at the Power 5 level. North Carolina Central does not have any of those guys unless they've just developed them, right? These two teams are on different tiers at their level. So I think Jackson State's going to be motivated in this game. I like the fact that Dion and Shador are both going to be there for Jackson State. I think it's going to lead to a big win for Jackson State. So I'm going to lock up the Tigers minus 16 and a half points. I'm with you there. I feel like the fact that Dion was honest to his team and he seems to have handled this whole Colorado situation particularly well, which I can appreciate. I feel like his team will respond to that, especially with a chance to be perfect this year. This this is a good Jackson State team. 
But on this side of things, I feel very comfortable just having them locked up at that line. Fair enough. I like it, Alan. Where are you headed for our next game in that Las Vegas Bowl pick that you mentioned? So the Las Vegas Bowl starts at 2.30 p.m. This is a really interesting matchup, and it goes back to kind of what we said, who really wants to be there. This is a matchup between Oregon State and Florida. Um, Oregon State opened as a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. That's what they are in the ATS line. But again, that line has continued to move a little bit just because of how many people, quite frankly, have opted out of that Florida team, including Anthony Richardson, who's not going to be playing. So Jack Miller, the third, who is, you know, who the heck knows who that guy is. He's going to be Florida's starting quarterback. So that line has moved to minus 11, which is way, way, way different. I mean, that's more than a field goal difference. I I feel like this Oregon State team finished the regular season really well with a win over Oregon. I think they're going to be motivated. This could be a 10-win season for the Oregon State Beavers. And so this has all the makings of Florida going to Las Vegas, partying it up, not really being interested in playing football, and Oregon State wanting to be there and wanting to beat an SEC team. So I'm locking it up with the Beavers. Let's party. Beavers minus seven and a half. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love it, dude. We, of course, had a well-documented complete failure in lock parties during the regular season, but I think we are bound to have some swing our way here in the postseason. So this is the first one. We're going to lock party it up with the Oregon State Beavers minus the seven and a half points. And Alan, I like a lot of what you're selling with this game. I'll touch on it just a little bit more. Midway through the season, we saw Oregon State switch quarterbacks. Ben Golbranson took over for Chance Nolan. Chance Nolan was pretty much a disaster early in the year. And Golbranson has not been great, but he has been a little bit of a step of an improvement. And when he's going up against a Florida defense that has not been that good this year, I think he could probably have an okay game. Their running back, Damian Martinez, a freshman, now has six straight games of 100-yard performances. I think that should easily continue against this Florida team. And when you mentioned Anthony Richardson opting out to go to the NFL, it's not just that. Wish this wasn't the case, but their backup quarterback, Jalen Kitna, was recently dismissed from the team on child pornography charges. Now, as you mentioned, Jack Miller stepping in. He's a redshirt freshman who only has 14 pass attempts in his entire career to this point. So I don't know what you should be able to expect you're going to get from Florida at the quarterback position. And with a team that struggled defensively, I really like the Beavers minus the seven and a half points and an ATS lock to make it a lock party. Yeah, this one feels pretty obvious. There may be some people that, you know, oh, this is Florida. This is an SEC team. I'm going to pick them. But if you know anything about these two teams, I feel like you're probably going to be on our side. We've talked about Oregon State a few times this year. It hasn't been often, but we talked about them in their close loss to Southern Cal when they nearly came away with an upset win. We talked about both of us picking Oregon State versus Oregon in a game they did win, even though they fell behind. It's a physical football team that likes running the ball. They play great defense. And I just don't expect you're going to get a lot from this Gators offense when you're playing a third-string quarterback going up against one of the better defenses they're going to have faced all season. Agreed. I don't see the talent, and I don't see the motivation. And that, to me, is a recipe for disaster for Florida. 
All right, Alan, I am going to go ahead and take us away to our next game because I have a lock in the very next game on Saturday, the 17th. That's at 3.30 p.m. between Washington State and Fresno State. It's the L.A. Bowl where we have the Cougars and the Bulldogs facing off against one another. We have a couple of quarterbacks who we have talked about medium frequently here on the podcast. I've talked about with Washington State that Cameron Ward is not super impressive to me. He has been good, but he hasn't been great. He's got a cast of receivers that, sure, he spreads the ball around a lot too, but I don't think any one of them is going to overwhelm this Fresno State defense, especially one that has defended the pass very well. And when I look at some of those schematic advantages between these teams, Washington State is a team that almost exclusively passes the ball. They've got almost no run game to speak of. And they're going against a Fresno State team that if you're going to take advantage of them in any category, I think it's the run defense. But I don't see that happening in this matchup because of the style offense that Washington State runs. And conversely, I've already mentioned it, Fresno State has one of the better pass defenses, I think, in the country. They break up a ton of passes. They have intercepted a decent number. But I like what this team has done offensively with Jake Hayner and company. I think that Fresno State is a pretty good bet to take them. I'm going to lock them up with the Bulldogs plus four and a half points and a pretty big number there. I will love taking the points because that number is another one that has shifted way down when we talk about live spreads. Holy, it's a double lock party, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you're looking at only 17 games, this is bound to happen. But I'm with you for all the same reasons. After looking at it further, I took Fresno State against Boise State last week. I just felt like they were playing better. Jake Hayner is a good quarterback. Cameron Ward turns the ball over way too much, but that's because that's all they do is throw the ball. This feels like a game that Fresno State can just really, really dominate in many ways. I hope that's the case. I think this one could be a really close game. I just think that Fresno State's going to have the opportunity to score some points, and I think it's going to be one where both teams find their advantages at times, but I think that the offense of Fresno State lines up better with the Washington State defense than vice versa. So I think it's enough to take those four and a half points in this one and lock it up tight. Very much so, man. I'm glad we're on the same page. This is going to be a, a lot of fun. All right, two lock parties down. We've got more picks to go. Alan, I think you have another one coming up on the 17th, correct? I do, including the team that I just mentioned. This is the Frisco Bowl, the old Frisco Melt Bowl, which starts at 9.15 p.m. on Saturday the 17th. This is going to be a matchup between Boise State and North Texas. Now, with this North Texas team, they were in their conference championship game just last week. I came on here and, like a doofus, said that they would hang with UTSA, and they did for a half. But this is a team that, even though they went 7-5, and five, fired their head coach. He's gone. Seth Littrell is out. And because of that, I don't know how this team's going to react. It's a Boise State team that, even though they're not to the level that they have been in the past, including taking a loss last week, this is still a team that, in my opinion, is pretty good. This is one of those games where Boise State is favored by four and a half. I think with them losing their head coach, having a quarterback that is turnover prone at best and actually watching them last week. And there's a lot of money coming in on this one because we've talked about 
line swings of just two or three points, those kinds of things. Well, this line has swung six points. <laughs> it's up to Boise State minus 10 at this point. I think that's more along where this line probably should be in that 10 to 13 range. So I'm locking up the Broncos in the Frisco Melt Bowl. <laughs> I like it. I'll support it. I thought about making this a lock of my own, but I don't feel quite comfortable with doing that. I like some other matchups a little bit more. And even though the line has jumped an awful lot, I have a little bit of doubts with Boise State simply because I don't think their offense has been stellar this year. You know, they've been okay. They run the ball pretty well. And I think that's a matchup advantage they have on this North Texas defense. But I'll give a little bit of credit where you mentioned Austin Ani and his turnover potential because that is there. He also has some big play potential. And while Boise State has had a good defense this year, I think there's a chance North Texas could have a good offensive game. If that's the case, I think we could see a close game. But Boise State, to me, is the better team. They've played better football. I'm a little concerned with that loss to Fresno State to close out the year in the conference championship in the Mountain West. But I do believe they are the better team in this matchup. So I'm going to be on the same side. I almost locked it up. And I'm going to stay there as we go throughout. I just think that North Texas potentially packs enough a punch to make this a really competitive game. But if Boise State gets the stops, I think they could pull away and win. So I like that side with them. It's just one that I'm not ultra, ultra confident in. I think that's totally fair. I felt like last week's game had more to do with Fresno State really, really playing well near the end of the year and less about Boise State being bad. And I don't know how you lose your head coach and get significantly better, in my opinion, not when that coach led you to your conference championship. So that's just kind of where I am. But I get the fact that there is some hesitancy because you're right. Ane can sling the ball. He is very much a Texas gunslinger. So he can hit on some and make some big plays to keep this thing close. He could. Let's just hope we lean on Taylor Green and George Helani to be able to run the ball for Boise State because if they are on their game, then they very well could pull away in this one. And that would be the side that we are on. So let's hope that goes that way as well. Alan, we each have one ATS lock to go for this first set of games, correct? Yes, sir. Okay, do you have one before we get to Christmas Eve? I have one on the 19th. Very good. Take us away for the next ATS lock. All right, man. So for my final ATS lock, I'm going to the Myrtle Beach Bowl, baby. Let's go get some rays in December. If you love college football, this is a game that I think you're going to want to watch because these are two teams that had good years. This is Marshall Thundering Herd versus the Yukon Huskies. I can't remember the last time UConn was not only relevant, but made it to a bowl game. And, you know, I think they ran out of gas near the end of the year, but still just an incredible year for UConn. So this line opened up at Marshall being 12 and a half point favorites in this. Now, part of that is Marshall had a tremendous year. They were eight and four. That's a team that has won a lot of games this year and could have won more. Obviously had the maybe the biggest upset of the year going to Notre Dame and winning. But if, if you look at some of these games down the stretch, this is a team that actually really struggled to score. They didn't score more than 28 points in their final five games. And it wasn't as if they were playing just like great opponents. Whereas... 
this UConn team, you know, they beat BC, they beat UMass, they took care of business against some teams that they weren't overall terrific, but still were good enough. Now, I don't need them to win the game. I need them to cover 12 and a half points, and I believe that they will. I believe this is a UConn team under Jim Mora that's going to really, really be there and want to play well and be motivated. I think it's a team that's going to come in and run the ball. They're offensively challenged, only making about 300 yards per game. They don't have a great defense, but it's a team that I think is going to try to fight tooth and nail. So the lines moved a little bit closer to like 10, 10 and a half, something along those lines. And so I'm locking up UConn at plus 12 and a half. I understand the thought process, and I have some of the same concerns about Marshall because just as you identified, they have struggled to score points. Though they are consistent and they've beaten some pretty good teams, the things that I'm looking at in this one is UConn has a good rush offense while they've struggled as a whole offensively, but they're going up against a very good Marshall defense. And conversely, Marshall runs the ball pretty well, and they're going up against a UConn defense that has struggled against the run. So If I'm thinking about the other side, it's because of that, because I think that Marshall could just control the ball and force UConn potentially into some bad third down opportunities and get them off the field quickly. And I think Marshall could have sustained drives, but I have identified all the exact same things as you. Jim Mora has gotten this UConn team to play some good football. They've been far more competitive than anybody expected they would be this year. And when you look at this Marshall team that was good in their win against Notre Dame, but has had some letdowns and especially does not score a lot of points. I don't know exactly which way I'm going to go in this one. I kind of lean toward Marshall, but it's one that I've been uncomfortable with and I've flipped back and forth. At this point in time, I actually have UConn plus the 12 and a half points as well, but I'm kind of looking at it as kind of a 10 point game. You know, like I guess more, I'll say more like a two score game. So I don't know what you make of that. You know, does Marshall win this thing by 10 points? Do they win it by 14 points? It kind of falls right in that territory where I think either one could happen. But I have, like you, been impressed with UConn this season, and I think they could give a fight to Marshall. I just think Marshall's the better team. So I'm going to debate this one in my head a good bit longer before it kicks off, what, on the 19th? Yeah, on the 19th. This is what the bowl games are about, right? It's going to be super fun. Very fun indeed. So, Alan, you have covered all your ATS locks for our first 17 bowl games, correct? I've thrown them out there, man. All right. For my last ATS lock, I am going to go to Christmas Eve, where we have another bowl game, this time between the San Diego State Aztecs and the Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders. So, with this one, if you've followed college football closely, you might have some familiarity with these teams. Middle Tennessee is one of the teams that beat the Miami Hurricanes earlier in the year with a bunch of big plays. San Diego State traditionally plays good defense. And if you've listened to this podcast regularly, you'll know that I picked San Diego State against Air Force a couple weeks back. That did not go my way. But when I look at this matchup, I'm going to identify some of the same things I did with San Diego State the first go around. Jalen Maiden took over at quarterback midway through the season. He, for the most part, has been pretty good. He wasn't very good against Air Force, but the Falcons do have a very good defense, whereas this Middle Tennessee team does not. And when you look at the Blue Raiders, Chase Cunningham has been okay at quarterback, 
but they've got basically no semblance of a run game, and they've got a bad pass defense. So I think the opportunity is there for Jalen Maiden and this Aztec offense to put up some points. I think their defense should get stops against Middle Tennessee. You can go ahead and lock it up. Give me San Diego State minus one and a half points. Okay. I mean, I don't know how much it says. It was really cool at the time when MTSU beat Miami, but this was a historically bad and unmotivated, terrible offensive Miami team. I tend to be with you. I feel like that this San Diego State team way underperformed in some games, but for the most part hit their stride. I tend to like them at minus one and a half as well. I love it. With MTSU, that is kind of the reason I threw out the Miami game because at the time your eyes are kind of popping out of your head. Oh no, what's MTSU doing to Miami? This is incredible. But then you figure out weeks later into the season that Miami was one of the worst teams in the ACC. And like you said, they had offensive problems everywhere. They had defensive problems everywhere. And we saw that week after week after week. So in retrospect, when you look back at this, It really was kind of a decent MTSU team going up against a really, really bad Miami team. So I'm with you. I don't know how much stock you put in that, though. You got to give them a little bit of credit for getting a win over a Power 5 team. It's just at the end of the day, it's not near as impressive as it looked back then. Exactly. It's super fun, cool. I love college football for those kinds of games, as long as it's not my team. But in this battle, that doesn't mean jack squat because this San Diego State team is pretty good. Hopefully the locks line up for us and hopefully we get a couple of wins and lock parties because like I said, we went over during the regular season. So here in our first 17 bowl games, Alan and I have two lock parties on the board. Now we have not compared our picks going forward, but next week when we come back together, we're going to record another one of these episodes where we go through the remaining 26 bowl games and we're going to give out ATS locks for those as well. So come back with us again in about a week or so, and we're going to have another episode where Alan and I are going to give you each seven ATS locks. We gave you five for 17 games. We'll give you seven for the 26 that are coming up next. So, Alan, it's a blast doing this thing. Hopefully, as we go through the rest of the bowl slate, we'll have some more lock parties. Hopefully, we'll have a lock block or two as well because that can add some entertainment for one side or the other. But uh, glad to do this thing with you, sir, and uh, can't wait to get to more picks next week. It's always a good time, my man. And uh, yeah, I have a feeling as we get into next week, that's where we'll start getting some block blocks and some disagreements, which is going to be a lot of fun. I love it. Can't wait to see more of this thing go down. And of course, if you are a Patreon subscriber, you already know about this, but we're going to have another episode coming out. Alan and I are going to get off here and we're going to go over to our next episode. That's where we're going to give our Patreon team members the walk-on tier or higher access to our confidence value picks for this exact same slate of 17 games. So we're going to be talking about how do you find value on the confidence pick board? And we're going to do that for some of the same matchups we talked about. We're going to introduce some other games that we have not talked about in this episode as well. So, Alan, I'm really looking forward to that. And if you would like to get access to those picks, jump on Patreon. You can find the link to that account in the notes for this episode, and you'll be able to jump over there for just $2.50 this month. You'll be able to listen to the thoughts there. Of course, we'll have another episode coming back next week on the confidence value plays for the back half of bowl season as well so alan we've got a lot of things coming can't wait to have some more people jump on board with us and if you do those things then we're going to contribute that money that comes in on the account to the prizes for 
next season. We're going to see that stuff grow as we move this thing in a better and better direction year after year. Alan, thank you for your time. Can't wait to see what comes next. Can't either, man. It's going to be fun. We will see you all on the other side. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here.